In honor of Father's Day, we interview Oakland Asian dad and uncle, Albert, who shares about the pressures and academic secrets of growing up in Cupertino, California, and how that experience has influenced his own parenting style. Albert, who has Taiwanese, Chinese, and Filipino roots, also talks about the challenges and joys of raising his three kids in the Fruitvale and offers some meaningful advice to Asian American families living in Oakland, all while befriending the baby tiger within him. We were both touched by the stories Albert shared, especially his insights about how our own kids are truly living out what it means to form diverse friendships and live out unique and beautiful experiences that are different from our own childhoods. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome to the next episode of Oakland Asian Mom Podcast. And today we are welcoming Albert. Hey, Albert. Good to have you on the show. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, and we invited Albert because um, when we're recording this, Father's Day is coming up. And uh, Sarah and I have known Albert for a while and have really appreciated who he is and and also uh, the father that we've known him to be too. Friends, we're friends too, but there is something about Albert that uh, we really, really admire. And just so I think that's why we invited you on the show. Yeah. So even though we might not publish this in time for Father's Day, um, we really wanted to share this interview with you all. And so Albert, uh, where did you grow up? I know that you're from the Bay Area. And so where did you grow up and um, how do you identify ethnically and culturally? Just to start us off. Yeah, so I was born in San Jose and raised in Cupertino, California, um, which is um, known, known in the world, is made famous, well, because Apple Computers is over there, but it also was made famous by this book uh, called Quiet, where they talked about overachieving introverts. Um, oh, and that was, uh, that was also, <laughs> so that's where I grew up. Tell, you know, I could share more about that, uh, but uh, ethnically and culturally. So I was, um, my dad is a strong Taiwanese. Uh, uh, he was a political figure. So he raised us as 100% Taiwanese. Mm. So I always thought I was 100% Taiwanese until college when I realized that my mom was half Filipino and half Chinese. And that that's when I realized I was actually, uh, so I'm, um, if you break it down, I'm I'm half Taiwanese, uh, I don't know, a quarter, a quarter Chinese and a quarter Filipino. So um, did your mom, your mom was not raised in Taiwan, but met your dad here in the States in, or? In Canada, in Calgary. Oh, she, Canada. She, she was born and raised in the Philippines. I see. That's right. Oh, yeah. oh real, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Well, how did you find your way to Oakland and how did you find your way to the Fruitvale specifically? Yeah, so Oakland, I went to school at Cal, um, so not too far. Um, and then I was uh, helping out with some tutoring programs in Oakland. Um, and uh, from that, at this place called Harbor House, and, and from that, I ended up um, uh, working there and then uh, uh, living out here. Um, 
to uh, uh, followed a, a faith community that was choosing to live in the neighborhood, um, kind of wanting to live in solidarity with those that we were actually uh, working with in terms of the, uh, the tutoring program, all the kids that were there. Um, so uh, that's how I ended up uh, in Oakland and I haven't left. So that was like ni 1995, I graduated. Oh, I, I actually ended up, uh, I took a, a year to be in Taiwan uh, one year to work with my family's business. And then I was in Oakland since 1998. So wow. yep. been, been here a little Cupertino while. From Cupertino to Oakland. From Cupertino <laughs> to Oakland. You have three kids, um, one that's entering middle school, one that's in middle school, and one's that in high school, right? Mm -hmm. And right. so, um, you know, how would you describe your parenting style, I guess, currently in three words? If And then let us know if it's changed since they were younger or... Yeah, how would you describe your parenting style? Yeah, it's um, a good question. Um, what is my parenting style? I, 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 in three words, maybe I would say I, uh, I've got a little tiger in me. So I will say, <laughs> so admit to that. There's a little tiger. Um, just a little one, though. A baby tiger? It's a baby tiger. It's a baby tiger, but it, you know but it, 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 ex, it expresses itself through, you know, anxiety sometimes, you know, uh, the tiger, the, the tiger says that, you know, more needs to happen. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and that, that comes from the Cupertino background. Cupertino is like this ridiculously like high achieving, um, you know, top, you know, like uh, top public schools, one of, you know, some of the top public schools in mm -hmm. the nation, but full of all the, a lot of tiger parents. Um, and, and if you'll, if you'll look at the, uh, um, uh, the corners uh, on every corner in Cupertino, there's a tutoring center. Um, mm -hmm. uh, not for folks that don't already are doing well in school, but for folks that are doing really well in school <laughs> and just wanted to like way better. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's Cupertino. So there's a little tiger in me. Um, and then uh, I would say, but then it's a balance. I, I would say I'm a, a playful parent. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I like, I really like my kids. Like I, uh, I enjoy them. Like I'm the one that, um, like I like when they crawl into bed with me, and I'm pretty happy about that. Um, I just, I just enjoy that, and 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 so um, I have a lot of fun with them. Um, and then the the uh, I guess the other word I would use is, I, I was thinking it was just plus. So I I always think of my family as um, like there's my family, but I like to add think of my family as a little bit bigger than just my family. So all the kids that they go to school with, the kids in our neighborhood, um, the kids in our apartment complex, I like to uh, imagine that uh, my parenting style um, is about also including folks beyond uh, just my family. Yeah. Well, that makes me think when I was growing up and I hung out with a lot of my friends' families, I always tried to figure out like, what am I going to call her mom? Right. Because mm. a lot of my friends um, growing up were Latino Pacific Islander, some were white because I grew up in San Mateo and it's pretty mixed. And I'm like, do I call him Mrs. So-and-so? Do I call him auntie? Do I call him mm -hmm. by their first name? You know, yeah. the yeah. white so families, <laughs> you go with the first yeah. name. You first thing, yeah. right? Uh, but I always felt weird, like my mom will find out and she'll be like really mad at me if I call yeah. them by the... So when you're around your, you know, the kids of your, uh, excuse me, the friends of your kids, what do they yeah. call you? 
That's a great question. I don't know that, that uh, I think it's a mix. I think some call me by their, my first name. Some people who I've met um, in the school that they go to, they call me Mr. Albert. Yes, I've um, heard that. <laughs> yeah, but no one, no one calls me uncle. I'm like, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I want, to, well, there, there's probably folks in church that call me uncle Albert, but like uh, very few uh, kids actually call me uncle Albert, which was, would be my preferred moniker. <laughs> I could tell oh, my kids to call you uh, Tito Albert, which is what you yeah. call, you know, Filipino uncles is like Tito, because yes. I, I go by Tita a lot or Tia. My nephews call me Tia because at that time I was like, I'm too old to be a Tita. I mean, I'm too young to be a Tita. I need to be a Tia to make it like kind of cute. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. I want I need more people to call me uncle in my life. Cool. Well, <laughs> you know, we talked about Cupertino and South Bay. And how do you think that um, experience has shaped your perspectives on parenting and fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Cupertino, it wasn't always super Asian. It was, I, I was actually just, I grew up as one of the handful of uh, Asian kids in our um, classrooms. And so, you know, like, and so you got all the, uh, you know, all the stuff being one of a few Asians in the room. Like, um, you know, if there was another female Asian, there's always, we would always get set up. Um, and if <laughs> do they do they think you're like brother and sister or cousins? Are they? Are they? Yeah. Are, we, are they yeah. thought we were brother and sister? Yeah. Yeah. It's, related they, like, or married? Nothing in between. Really, that's that's right. <laughs> so so I did that. Uh, but then it got super Asian. Like it's like if you go to Cupertino now, like slowly. By the, when I finished high school, it was maybe like a quarter to a third Asian. Um, but now I would I don't know I don't even know the demographics, but it's. It's like if you look, um, I, there's this one time I was just sitting there in my car watching cars pass by and just counting the Asians, um, all Asians. It was like, it would be nine out of 10 cars. <laughs> Asian, so it's, a, it's, it's pretty Asian now. When you were growing up, was it mostly white? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. mostly white. There would be maybe uh, one, uh, a, uh, maybe a couple Latino folks. Um, mm -hmm and very few African-American Black folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, upon reflection, how do you think that um, sort of shaped, you know, how you parent or perspectives on uh, families or family life? Yeah, yeah, so if you, uh, so I've, I've got that, like I said, I've got that little tiger in me and that like, tiger comes from uh, both Cupertino uh, kind of, all the other tiger parenting that was going on um, around. Uh, so like, you know, all, I, I, it's all the examples of like when, uh, when you went to school or when, she, when you had summer school or, or sorry, when you had summers, you would all your white friends or all your uh, other friends would just relax during the summer. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't the case for our family. You know, like you would just like, that's when all the workbooks and all the, uh, um, the extra homework would come out. Um, and you'd just be like, why doesn't everybody else, else do that? But, you know, that, that was just the way we do it. And now that's what I do as well. That's mm -hmm. when I, our summers, extra homework comes out. Um, so it was, and, that, and there would be things like uh, you would, uh, like, <laughs> there's, there's these secrets of uh, tiger parenting where, where people thought we were so smart um, in high school. But it was only because we had taken the class over the summer, the actual class over oh. the summer. Like so, so like if you're there was like a uh, say, say you had, took biology in in, uh, 
in high school, um, they, they, we, we would like many times I would have already taken a community college class on biology prior to um, that school year starting. So folks were like, how do you know this? And you're just like, well, you know, just you don't always reveal the secret. You just want people to think that you're smart. <laughs> it just helps that you actually studied it, uh, uh, that, that you took the class beforehand. But all that to say that was that shaped me in thinking that, yeah, there's a there's this real drive to always excel. Um, there's there, and there is a real um, kind of pressure to uh, to do well. Um, the one time I got a C, which is unheard of, um, I think in middle school was when my father said if I got one more, he would no, I would no longer be his son. Uh, he would he would literally disown me. Um, so never, never got another C after that. Oh man. What was the C in? Do you remember? I don't remember actually. Yeah. Was it like in like uh, typing or something or like (laughs) (laughs) keyboarding? No, I think it was a significant C. I think it was a, like I would, yeah. But yes, a lot of, lot of, lot of tears. Yeah. (laughs) It was a, it was a real C. Oh man. Oh man. Just a follow-up question. Do you feel like comfortable with the baby tiger? Do you feel like you have been like deconstructing all of that? Like what is your relationship with that aspect of your parenting? Yeah, I I think I've made peace with my baby tiger. I think I like to keep him uh, uh, kind of in his boundaries. So like uh, I know when I, know, I try not to get him, let him get too big, try not to feed him too much. Try not to, because I, re- I recognize the, that the baby tiger, like baby tiger was the source of all, so much, uh, so many tears in, when I was a kid, you know, and so much uh, emotional mm-hmm. scarring that mm-hmm. I don't want to, uh, I don't want uh, baby tiger to, uh, to, to do that to my kids. Um, so I have to keep baby tiger in check. Um, and I balance that a lot by not, uh, by actually avoiding hanging around uh, Cupertino or hanging around like mm. uh, spaces that uh, kind of create that atmosphere of competitiveness and uh. like uh, questions around. So wh- what is your, what is your kid studying or what is like, I, I'd rather hang out with kids in uh, my neighborhood where I do not feel that pressure at all. Um, so I think that helps keep baby tiger in check. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This might be too deep of a question, but do you see any of that baby tiger ness in any of your kids or, because sometimes I think it's generational. Like I, I, I relate to that baby tiger. I've shed a lot of tears because I got, you know, not C's, sorry, Albert, but I did get A minuses <laughs> at times, right? <laughs> right. Oh, dang. All right. And so I, and I tell my nephew, I go, just, um, just, it's okay to get the B plus. It's fine. You know? Um, and yeah. I, and I constantly say that to my oldest son who has definitely inherited my perfectionist yeah. kind of ways. And I go, oh man, I think, I yeah. think I've, I've passed it on, you know? Um, Your oldest. My oldest. Yeah. 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 You know, there's something to say about working hard and doing your best and, right. and like, and there's something to say, like, how do I over, how do I communicate to, you know, mm-hmm. relaxing, enjoying the moment, you know, let's just mm-hmm. have fun um, kind of side too. Cause I think yeah. um, not that my childhood wasn't fun. I think it was missing elements of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. My, my oldest is the same way. 
she she's got a lot of the uh, perfectionism. Uh, she would she uh, and and it it showed up starting in I realized starting in first grade there would be these uh, fast facts um, things where you're supposed to do like uh, you know like five plus five or uh, five times five I forget what it was um, within a minute and just see how you can how many you can do um, but she would go she would have some deep anxiety about those those things because she it just kept going higher and she mm. the, the, the better she did the higher the more she had to do and she. Uh, but I think she continues to hold a sense of that fear of failure that comes with, uh, yeah, that yeah. perfectionism, that that um, that these need to achieve, um, and I, I, yeah, I think that's really yeah. present. Um, and we need to like she's the one where we have to balance it by saying it's 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 okay. You will you know we're gonna love you if you get a B. And she and. Uh, the, the good thing about it is that she's actually part of a school where uh, a, a school of art where the art program of dance that she's in, they really grade really tough. And so she's already gotten two B's um, in her high school career. And mm-hmm. we're just we're accepting of that. But it, but I do see it um, present in not all of my kids, but the first one, definitely. Yeah, they could just be like glimmers, you know, yeah. um, and yeah, like you said, we're going to love them unconditionally. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, your kids are pretty close in age, right? And so if you could think back of conversations with your partner on caregiving and balancing household and stuff, what was that conversation like? And has the caregiving changed as the kids get older? Or is that balance changed as they're getting older and yeah. becoming more independent? Yeah. I would say the uh, right when we first, when, you, when we got that first baby and brought her home, um, I think there was a real, like, I think we would have conversations about how we were planning to share um, chores and things like that. But I think there was a real sense of, we were, we were probably both uh, needing to prove it and me probably more than others, me, me more than her um, to, to kind of develop a sense of trust that I actually would show up. Um, so I remember the fir- with the first baby, um, we would like every time the baby woke up, we would both be awake. Um, mm. You know, like uh, she would be nursing. I'd be, I would do the diaper change. Um, so I think all of that was um, stuff that we would do in order to just make sure that we were both t- a team in all of this. Um, and I think, uh, I think as that trust was built that they, like with the later kids, we we're probably less about, uh, we both need to be awake at this certain time. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, we've, we've tried to uh, kind of balance that out um, uh, so that one of us, uh, so I, I do the cooking uh, mostly. Uh, she does the uh, um, laundry. Um, she did the nursing. So that, that's one thing that w- we weren't able to share, but um, <laughs> we, we, we tried to balance as much as possible. Um, did you even try yeah. though, Albert? <laughs> yeah. I, I I didn't. So that's one that's one regret that I have. I, I, well, <laughs> we, so a we, question we never, for you, yeah. Okay, well, a question for you is: Who in your house like buys rain boots in the next size up for the kids? Oh man, that's you're getting very specific. I feel like you're drawing from some personal experience here. Um, <laughs> that's that's that is my partner she is the one who Mm -hmm. who is aware of when they need new uh, shoes yeah I feel like a common conversation that 
Cheryl and I have is like that type of like anticipatory mm. planning usually falls on um, the mom, not always, but um, I mean, what, what are ways in which you and your partner have tried to kind of share that type of burden? I'm curious. Anticipatory planning, like uh, they're getting bigger. We need to get uh, new, new clothes for them. Yeah, That's or good. like, I, oh, I, th- there's a birthday party next Saturday, and so we have to buy a present, or you know that that type of kind of parenting. Yes, um, on one level, you're uh, you're making me feel very uncomfortable because I don't <laughs> think that I am actually <laughs> the one that thinks about that uh, at, at all. Um, I think the anticipatory planning is really like falls into my partner's uh, wheelhouse and. Uh, and I am, and I'm starting to like. I'm starting to question whether, like, my, I'm accurate in saying we're sharing all our stuff. Um, <laughs> so this is good. I mean, it's good, like, a, an introspective uh, kind of moment. Um, yes, I. That 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 is in something that I'm not as aware of. I think I I, I anticipate our uh, the, what the kids are going to have to learn academically um mm-hmm. for the next school year um so i'm much more the uh that's where my tiger is motivates me um and i, I plan this the summers what their summers look like um because oh, i'm mostly yeah. the one to be at home uh, during the summers mm-hmm. but yeah. those that's uh good. birthday parties and shoe sizes those two <laughs> are definitely in my partner is the <laughs> one who takes care of those things well, when you were a kid, um, thinking back, like, um, you know, who did the chores, who did the caregiving? Was it a lot different from how your house runs now? You know, actually, it's I was thinking about this. I, I don't think it was. My dad cooked and my mom did the laundry. Um, my uh, And then my dad did the like, you know, took care of the lawn and those things, the outside, like, and then my mom did the bills. Um, yeah, I think that's fairly, we, we don't have anything, we don't have a lawn, so we don't have anything to take care of. But uh, um, yeah, like uh, our, currently I, I do most of the cooking. Um, my partner does the laundry. Um, uh, the bills, I, I feel like I do the bills, but it's more like uh, auto pay at this yeah, point. So it's yes, not, yes. I feel like no one, no one really does the bills. But uh, um, yeah, I think. But yeah, but like, uh, like, pack, oh yeah, 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 it's a mixture. Like when we pack for trips, that's all my partner. Um, mm-hmm. She's the one that makes sure everybody has everything they need. So, but it's, but I think it's somewhat similar to how I grew up, um, at least in terms of the day to day stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Did both of your parents work outside the home when you were growing up? Yeah. Yeah, they both, they they both work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When um, my mom, it's so funny. She's here today in our house. Um, when she says, "Oh," she gives a lot of compliments to my husband when you know he does this or that. Oh, it's so great! And I like smile because I'm like, "Oh yes," and I also wonder 
Well, of course he has to do that. <laughs> but I think it just reflects the contrast because uh, my mom was definitely a working mom full time all the way and my dad too. But yet my mom somehow was able to do the cooking and laundry for just talking about those two chores. Yeah, my mom kind of lived with us for um, when my kids were little because she was helping us raise them. And one time she said to me, do you do anything in your <laughs> I to remember you? that, Sarah. <laughs> because she saw my husband doing so much compared to what uh, my dad did. And I told her, yeah. I think about all the things and then tell him to do them. Yeah, that's 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 important. <laughs> but it's really funny. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I I am the brains behind the operation. <laughs> but um it was sort of uh it was funny. And a little insulting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Parents can. Parents are good at that. Funny and a little insulting. That, that's that's perfect. Please captures parental conversations. Um, well, talking a little bit more about the fruit fail because we all live in the neighborhood. Um, do you have any memorable stories or challenges to share about what's it like raising your family here? Yeah. I, I, I guess I'll just highlight that um, the school that my kids went to was pretty, uh, is largely about 90, 90% uh, Latinx and Black. Um, and then there a, a smattering of Asian, uh, maybe, maybe 5%, something like that. Um, and no white kids. Um, but the... Uh, uh, I remember for the first two years, no, three years of my daughter's time at this school um, and even and even deciding to send our kids to that particular school, um, there was a lot of anxiety for us um, in terms of uh, mostly around social relationships, um, mm -hmm. just wondering what it would be like for her to, to form friendships. Um, and I think we had that anxiety, but for the first few years, we I assumed she was doing all right. Um, but then there was, it was in second grade um, when I asked her, like, uh, I don't know why I hadn't asked her before, but I said, how was, uh, how was school? What do you do uh, during uh, recess? Like when the kids are all playing. And she said, I just, um, I stand by the flagpole and wait till recess is over. And I thought, oh crap. You know, like that was my, mm -hmm. um, oh. uh oh, I, I think I've, maybe and as and I, I started wondering I said do you do that all the time and she said yeah that's kind of what I do during recess and I I, I remember my heart breaking at yeah. that moment and just and just feeling like uh-oh I may have screwed up you know like I'm mm. this this is this is on me this decision to send her to this particular school where there's very few people that look like her um and is that the reason why she doesn't have any friends you know like like that uh, I think the concreteness of imagining in my head, like these, this recess time, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes where all she was doing was sitting at the flagpole waiting for it to be over when this is like, this is supposed to be like the best moment of a kid's lives. Mm -hmm. um, I think that really, uh, that really impacted me. Um, so that was a moment of challenge for me um, where, I, and, and there was that, it, 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 the conversations that followed with, with my partner were around, did we make a mistake? Um, mm -hmm. Should we, 
should we do something else? Um, uh, my partner grew up in uh, Richmond um, and she, you know, she grew up in a, a, like a similar school to uh, what, uh, where our kids are going. And so she was just like, no, she's gonna be fine. Um, so that was kind of, it, it didn't, it wasn't a long conversation and it, 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 she was more like, but it, that was the start. That, that was a moment of challenge for me in terms mm-hmm. of uh, uh, the, what it was like, what it's been like to raise our kids in this neighborhood. What about the joys? Are there any stories of uh, just like joyful moments of what mm-hmm. it's been like? Yeah. And I, I won't leave the story. I won't end the story just like that. So, so since then, she's actually, um, she has she, the very next year, third grade, uh, her second grade teacher introduced her to someone who said, you know, I think you'll, you, 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 you two could be friends. And they were mm-hmm. friends um, in that she only needed one friend, really. Yeah. Um, that was it. And then, you know, and then suddenly recess is fun again. Um, there's, there's something to do during it. And um, since then, she's, you know, she's made tons of friends and she's, she's thrived, actually. Um, so it was a moment where uh, it was, that was, a, that was one of the toughest moments. But also since then, it's been really joyful just to see that she is resilient. Um, uh, she can make friends that, um, really good friends, and she can find joy in a place where I wasn't sure that she would be able to find joy. Um, mm-hmm. The other place I'll, I'll say that, that that has been joy has been, um, I think it's just a realization, like uh, like seeing the friends that our kids have. Um, there's like last summer, there was a lot of uh, conversation around race and what it means to be um, supportive of especially black and brown lives um, in our country. And there was a lot of conversation around what, you know, like you would see um, in social media, like what books should we be reading? Like, what can I, uh, how do I teach my kids about, uh, that, you know, the value of black and brown lives? And I think there was just this moment as our kids were coming back and just talking about the friends that they have where we realized, um, oh, we, they don't need to read a book mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. because um, they will never see black and brown kids as anything other than um, people of value, because these are their friends. These are their actual, these Mm -hmm. are just the people they're growing up with. Um, And so I think there was, there was something of joy that I was experiencing in that because realizing that the the work that I have to do is more uh, intentional in terms of developing that and and kind of, because I didn't grow up around, I grew up in primarily Asian and white communities. um, Mm -hmm. So um, they have something that I don't have, which is, yeah. um, which I think is beautiful. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, our kids went, our, you know, went to the same school or, you know, and in kindergarten, um, his teacher was, uh, you know, mixed race person, woman of color. So right off the bat, right. Your kindergarten teacher is someone who you can really to. And then, um, my son really loves reading, so he was pretty advanced. So by the time he got into kindergarten, you know, he was reading, and um, it's really his passion. And one day he came to me, his, and, they, and they have reading partners, right? And so after a couple of weeks of school, he came home. He says, oh, my God, Mommy, there's this girl. She is such a good reader. She's my reading partner. She knows way more than me, way more. And I, And then... Um, I asked, oh, yeah, who's your reading partner? And so he named this girl who I knew uh, was from African descent, right, in this family. And I'm like, my heart just got so full to know that 
um, this, you know, his classmate who he admires in many ways is this beautiful black child. Mm-hmm. And so, and I realized, oh, it's so wonderful because yes, we know there's so many uh, brown and black uh, kids who are voracious readers who love learning and he gets to experience that firsthand. Yeah. I'm like legit crying over here. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment. And I'm like, oh, so in those um, times where I do feel doubt in parenting, you know, we always sort of maybe double think our decisions, especially big decisions. Mm-hmm. It's, I kind of go to that. I'm like, yes, we cannot, um, me- um, artificially recreate these experiences as much as we want to maybe later on in life when they have to learn some of these things that we read in the books that you said. Um, For me, I have to do work, but for him, it's uh, a different um, experience. And and I think it's counterpoint. Uh, Sarah and I have a lot of guests to talk about what's it like to try to reconnect to our culture and roots and being a Filipino family. And as a Filipino daughter of immigrants, I went to school with mostly Filipinos, um, Catholic school. And so uh, different you know, experience. And so a little bit of myself is a little at a, at a grieving that um, maybe he won't mm-hmm. experience that to go with a lot of Filipino kids. Um, yeah. But so each is a unique experience and uh, something to, uh, you know, to honor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, what's, you're very touched by our stories. Oh, I, I can am, tell. I, yeah. You know, because I can relate to both of you, you know, we're, we're all raising, Asian American kids um, in a really different environment than the ones that we grew up in. I think yes. all of us have like baby to adolescent tigers <laughs> in our parenting <laughs> styles that can raise um, anxiety about some of the choices that we are making. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really interesting, Albert, when you said that you don't really hang out with people who are putting more like voices in your head about more, better, um, you know, all of that, because yeah, because those voices are very strong. And I think um, in our worlds, we hear a lot of those voices as well, right? Like um, I'm, you know, I, most of my close friends are college educated, went to grad school, are raising their kids, um, in more of the Cupertino style. So yeah. it can, it's sometimes hard to explain yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yes. it, and then, and then you see this norm that you're not following and it feels like, Oh, I don't know what to do. You know, is it this, is it this, like what's yeah. the middle ground, you know? Yeah. And that's a hard space to be in. And, and I, as I've said before, it can be really lonely because, yeah. um, you know, it's like you're trying to synthesize good things from both, yeah. right? Um, but it can be hard to journey through that. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, part of the reason Cheryl and I wanted to talk to you is that you've done a lot of that hard work. Um, you've admitted that you have, uh, you know, some of that kind of tiger parenting in your background. Um, and so how do we kind of yeah, just navigate like where we come from, what we've learned, what we don't want to pass on to our children, but to just acknowledge that, you know, some of that is still there and we're working through it. So yeah. Anyway, I I love hearing the 
the joyful things because it's a reminder of like the actual experiences that our children have, yeah. um, which I think overall are very joyful and yeah. deep and meaningful. Yeah. And, and rooting, yeah. Uh, rooting what we're going through in their experiences, I think is very, um, it helps me feel rooted. Yeah. It's a yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, looking back, Albert, um, anything that surprises you of what you've learned about yourself after all these years of being a dad? Is there a, any reflections, regrets, fulfilled expectations? It's been 15 years of being a dad now. Um, I would say uh, almost 15 years um, as of this Sunday. Um, but I would say the main thing that I, I was taking a walk with my partner the other day and uh, the, the thing I was, re- I was reflecting about fatherhood and just, I, w- I told her, you know what fatherhood feels like to me? It feels like um, everything that I cared about or everything that I've invested in trying uh, either career wise or um, trying to achieve things like fatherhood is the one thing that it feels like it all makes sense to me. Mm. You know, like it's, it feels like it was all building towards um, this experience of being in relationship uh, of offering love in a particular way of extending my gifts so that someone else can be blessed by them of learning how to give up uh, my needs for the sake of somebody else and seeing that as something joyful and fruitful along with something as that's, you know, agonizing and difficult. Um, but I would say that um, it's, it's fatherhood for me these days, cause I, I, I wear other hats and I've worn other hats um, throughout my career. Um, so I was, you know, I, I did youth programs for a while. I'm currently a pastor. Um, I worked, uh, I, I do spiritual direction. Um, but fatherhood is the framework that actually um, makes the most sense that uh, for informing how I think about all those other things. Um, it's, uh, it just, it, it just feels right. Like I have this lived experience of what it feels like to be a father and to love um, like a father and that kind of, um, in some ways that extends and kind of informs how I be a, how I, I want to be a pastor or how I want to offer spiritual mm-hmm. direction, how I want to um, uh, do other things. So it's, it's like this uh, really, uh, for me, it's a really, it, it captures the best out of anything I've found. Um, what I feel called to do in this life um, is yeah. fatherhood. Mm, it's beautiful. Thank you. Well, Our last question before we go into our closing assessment is any advice um, you want to give to parents with younger children, especially for those who are, who identify as Asian or um, multiracial, multiethnic with the Asian background for those families living in Oakland? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a big question. The advice I would give um, from my own experience is that uh, I would say where you choose to send your, kids to school is one of the most important decisions that you make as a Mm -hmm. uh, parent. Um, And what values you use to determine that are, uh, are, are really lasting because it, it forms who your kids are going to be friends with. It forms who you as a family are going to surround yourself with in terms of a particular community. Um, It, uh, it informs what you're going to care about in terms of, if you if the if the the primary school community that you're sending your children to is one that is all tigers and all like a, um, all high achieving and a particular uh, with a particular mindset for um, 
you know, I love the tigers. I got my baby tiger, but the the ba- the, the the tiger is uh, is, is the 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 challenge of the tiger is that the tiger is only concerned with one's immediate family, mm-hmm. um, and and in some ways that's uh, uh, kind of sacrificial and and kind of uh, out of love. But it, it feels like um, I don't know. I, I feel like the tiger. We need to expand the tiger's love a little bit so that mm-hmm. the tiger can love beyond just that nuclear family. Um, and I think that's what uh, that decision where you, we send our kids to school actually has a huge impact on how big our hearts can grow and how, how much our tiger can think beyond just the tiger itself. Um, so I think I would, that's, that's the thing. I would, I would say uh, send your kids to a place that's going to expand your ability to love beyond your own family. This, this baby tiger, I feel like uh, we could write a whole book on this. <laughs> baby tiger. <laughs> How to create boundaries for baby tiger. Yes. Oh, that's great. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> you know, as you were saying that, Albert, I feel like actually in the tiger's world, everyone outside of the family is competition. Right? That's the thing. You have to yeah. be better. You that's have it. to be do more yeah. than all the others, that's it. right? That's right. So it's sort of like builds a mentality of um, scarcity and yes. um, and maybe unhealthy competition. Yeah, in a, a lot. Yeah. Of ways. yeah. And I think um, the Siberian tiger is one of the <laughs> mascots okay. of um, of Korea, right, Sarah? We do love our tigers in Korea. <laughs> But we're also like a, you know, uh, that's interesting. We are a very communal society, but also very tiger-ish. So yeah. anyway, who knows? Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the Philippines, it's the water buffalo, I think. That's <laughs> the carabao. Okay. So I got to figure out, okay, what's my inner water buffalo? <laughs> oh, man. I also, also, it's also the um, Philippine eagle that's also very honorable. So okay. that's a nice uh, one okay. too. Uh-huh. All right. In Taiwan, is it the pineapples that are so <laughs> beloved? <laughs> no, pineapple. I mean, we have pineapple cake. That's something. I would say, say that vegetable is the sweet potato because it looks okay. like a sweet potato. But then uh, uh, the animal, I don't know if it, what's, it's that little, it, I think there's, the one I think of is it's a, it's got a shell on it. It starts with a P. Pangolin? Do you know oh, a pangolin? pangolin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the national animal? I speak that without any knowledge of what the <laughs> national animal is, but that's the one that I found uh, when we went to the zoo. That's the one that I thought, oh, this feels like very Taiwanese pangolin. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, all I think about uh, is when my friends go to Taiwan, they're like, oh, we go to this place and you put your feet in there and the, the, uh, the oh. fish eat the dead skin. Yeah. I, I feel like I've heard that. That feels weird to me. That's cool. I go, I wonder what the name of that fish is. Um, yeah, there you go. Be the... Anyway, yes. we'll have to um, Google it to figure out what is the national animal of, of Taiwan. Taiwan. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we know that you've been living in Oakland for a while. And so we've been asking our guests, um, you know, where were you hanging out in Oakland 10 years ago? You could even add some years on that 15 or 20 whatever you want and yeah. where do you hang out now yeah um 
10 years ago, I hung out at Lake Merritt. Um, and it I feel was, like that's the running area. Everyone, yeah. we must Everyone's answer. <laughs> that's where, yeah, it was not as developed as it is now. Um, yeah. So it was, and it was less crowded, a lot less white people. Um, <laughs> and so uh, that was 10 years ago. And now that's where I hang out still. So there's not, there hasn't been any change. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's the same. There's more, um, I think 10 years ago, there wasn't as much as like, well, even pre-COVID days, like there wasn't as like, oh my God, I'm bumping into people because it was yeah. so crowded now, right? Right, super but crowded. I think yeah. 10 years ago, I felt like you could just, you could just be free and not have to feel like you need to, you know, negotiate um, sidewalk space or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 10, years, 10 years ago, it didn't seem that cool. Lake Mary. Yeah. It was just, it was just like this place, you know, like, and, and, uh, but now it feels like, I mean, maybe it's just, it's super, yeah, like you're saying, it's super Yeah, populated. so much. I know every time I see a slack line, I sort of roll my eyes internally, even <laughs> though I'm like, that's not very good, Cheryl. I should not do that. People are enjoying nature and balancing yeah. at the same time. <laughs> the yeah. other day, I, oh, yeah. the other day I saw someone with a baton with, that uh with both sides were on fire Ooh. and he was tw twirling it so uh, uh, they're, they're taking it up a notch yes <laughs> yeah but i do miss the drummer on the corner of uh grand and macarthur yeah. Yeah. i don't know if he's still there but oh my gosh every time i go i never want to leave because he's just so good yeah yeah he's good the thing about the lake i find to be really interesting is of all the times i've ever gone there i've never seen anyone like push anyone else in there, but I'm always yeah. like on edge that I'm gonna get pushed in. That 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 crosses your mind regularly when you're at the lake. Yeah. You're <laughs> anticipating that. But I did see uh, someone washing their their like face in the lake once. In the lake, just, ooh, yeah, yeah, just one time. Yeah, yeah. Bold, oh, this lake. Yeah. Bold decision. <laughs> Well, we have one last question for you, Albert, before we let you go. And our last question is, what is your favorite Asian mom or dad saying? Let's just do the first Asian mom. What's your favorite Asian mom saying? Uh, favorite Asian mom saying? Um, I would, uh, what is it? What does my mom say? Um, I think you've covered all the main ones. Uh, like you eat yet? I, I think the only the like the 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 ones in in Taiwanese like we realized me me and my sister knew certain phrases in Taiwanese which were um, brush your teeth, um, take a bath. So those are uh, so that's what we know in Taiwanese. Or we know more than that, but those are the ones that have been kind of embedded in us. Um, so I I would say that brush your teeth, take a bath are if not my favorite, they are my most memorable Asian uh, mom sayings. Yeah. <laughs> How about an Asian mom, dad? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. Did your mom Sarah. say them in Taiwanese? Your mom yeah. did? Oh, wow. So she learned how to say them? Sui Sui Oh, uh, uh, the, uh, she comes from a, a province in China that speaks the same as Taiwanese. It's, uh, it's called oh, Hokkien, but it's essentially okay. the, it's the same as Taiwanese. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Um, Oh. Yeah, yeah. So she, that's the language she spoke. They both spoke okay. um, kind of a they call it like depending on which political camp or who you want to claim, you call it Taiwanese or you call it Hokkien or you call it 
Fuchenese or you call Fuchenese it Minan way. There's, there's so many, there's a lot of ways to talk. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. My mother-in-law speaks that language too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about, do you have any Asian dad sayings either from you? You could talk about since you're an Asian dad, like what do you tell your kids over and over? Oh, they would probably know better than me. I, I don't know. I would, uh, if it was my Asian dad, I would say um, the 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 favorite <laughs> saying from an Asian dad is a silence with a with low level of uh, uh, disapproval. <laughs> Wait, is it just a look? It's like a nonverbal saying. It's just an ongoing, just a vibe. You know, <laughs> just know that you're not living up to standards. Um, that's. And not a word needs to be said. That's true. <laughs> My dad, I think, is not a saying. It's the evil eye. Like, it's uh, the eyes, right? When you know you're doing yeah. something bad or he's like, yeah. you need to get it together. I've yeah. sort of, um, I haven't perfected that with my kids, but I've used it and it does work. I could see their body automatically like start getting like, okay, mom doesn't really like what I'm doing. Yes. It's, it's very effective. <laughs> yeah. I feel like nonverbal communication is often overlooked, but it is very Yes. Powerful. Asian people super really do effective. that. Yeah. I feel like I have a superpower of projecting shame and guilt onto my children <laughs> that, I, that I, I didn't realize I have, but I, it comes out when I'm super mad at them. And I, without a word, they can, I radiate just uh, a sense of shame and guilt on them. Wow. Yeah. It's very hard to teach that. So there is something of that we've. Yeah, we've internalized. (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like I need some of that because my kids have no shame, no guilt. And they need a little (laughs) bit of both. They just need a little bit. Oh, man. I, I, you know, no, it only works with your own kids. I couldn't do it for your kids. They'll just be like, Uh, Uncle Albert has a funny look. Funny look. Yeah. You have to build it up over history. His <laughs> face looks uncomfortable. Up. Yeah, which is maximum power. Tap, yeah, I need to tap deeply into my my lineage. <laughs> That's right. You've got it. I believe in you, Sarah. You can, it's in you. <laughs> yes, the communal tiger life. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Albert, for spending some time with us, sharing about your life and your journey as a father and just as a as a person. So thank you so much. This was super fun. You guys, you all are fun to hang out with. Thanks for taking the time. Take care and don't forget to call your mom. <laughs>